In a make-believe world as vast as Hollywood can offer, there are movies that stood the test of time to us and to us alone. These films may or may not resemble the critically acclaimed classics that have acquired accolades at glittering star-studded award ceremonies, but have won their way into our hearts. These movies are not iconic, but myconic. In this episode, we explore the ever-present danger of a prison being hijacked by terrorist soldiers and holding the country to ransom with stolen chemical weapons, and homicidal guerrillas guarding a long-lost African treasure trove. The movies in question are The Rock and Congo. Okay, so here we are. This is the um, inaugural, is that the right word? Inaugural? Yeah. The first, the inaugural uh, episode of uh, Myconic Movies, whereby, um, I don't know if you want to do like a little bit of, they've heard something of the intro. Do you want to give a little bit of premise as to how we, uh, the criteria by which we select the movies uh, that we well, do? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not actually certain what the criteria is myself. Oh. Is it just we are... Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what the what the criteria is. <laughs> okay, we need some kind of criteria. So, for okay. anyone listening, doesn't just think we've got the worst taste in movies <laughs> <laughs> ever. Okay, so okay, so for me, then the criteria would be films that, for whatever reason, we have like have, have touched our hearts have have made a difference in our lives, have have grasped us and have just carried us yeah. away. That, that's a good, yeah, that's probably a pretty good description. I would maybe say like um, formative. For good or ill. Formative, formative. So yes. there's a okay, time in yeah. our life where we would have watched these to the point where they carry a little bit of nostalgic value. Would that yeah. be right in saying? Yeah. Um, so if, say, the film was on again, even if it hasn't even aged that well and we look back and go, oh, what a terrible film, we can at least say, oh, but I enjoyed watching it because it brought back happy memories. The of memories, a, yeah. A time and a place. Yeah. So we, we already know we're doing The Rock and Congo. Uh, do you have a preference as to which one you'd like us to begin with? <sighs> Well, I, th- I, I think the we should go with the rock first. I think the rock. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've got a little bit of a blurb for each of the movies. We've pinched uh, a little movie description from wherever we streamed it from. Um, in my instance, I think in both of our instances, it can be streamed free with uh, with Disney Plus, although other outlets are available. Um, and this is their their blurb for um, the rock. So. Hollywood superstar Sean Connery joins mm-hmm. award winner, uh, Academy Award winner no less, Nicolas Cage in this action-packed thriller. All of San Francisco is taken hostage when a vengeful general, Ed Harris, seizes control of Alcatraz Island, threatening to launch missiles loaded with deadly poisonous gas. Um, with time running out, only a young FBI chemical weapons expert, Cage, and a notorious federal prisoner, Connery, 
have the skills to penetrate the island fortress <laughs> and diffuse <laughs> diffuse the lethal situation. So if you don't want to watch the movie from that description alone... <laughs> then you don't want to watch any movie. Then you've no class and no yes. taste. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, you're, we, we both rewatched it in anticipation yeah. of this. Um, first impressions, first thoughts. Having, I don't know how long it's been since you last watched it. So I think, okay, I think what we need to do, first of all, is talk about when we first saw it and our first impressions, our first memories, okay. that should be the, that should be the go-to okay. as, uh, yeah. in the first instance. So I'm thinking, okay, so the film was released in 1996. So yeah. I was 13 two. it was, I think it was a 15 when it came out. So I was too young to go watch it at the cinema. Yeah. So this would have been DVD release a year or so later. So I was about 14 or 15 was it even DVD back then? Oh, no, it had been video. It absolutely would have been video. Yeah. yeah. So I, I w- it would have been watched around a mate's house. Mm. I mean, I heard about The Rock long before I ever saw The Rock because it was, for a f- 14, 15-year-old boy, imagine hearing that blurb as a 14, <laughs> 15-year-old boy. I mean, everything starts firing, oh, right? Ticks all, all the boxes. All yeah. the boxes, yeah. So, I heard about this incredible film called The Rock. Have you seen The Rock? Have you seen The Rock? So, obviously, my first opportunity to watch it, I was absolutely watching The Rock, and I genuinely thought it was the best film ever made. <laughs> because as a fourteen, fifteen-year-old, of course you would think it's the best film ever made. Yeah. So that that was my that was my first uh, first experience of the rock. Can you remember yours? I think we we might have even seen it um for the first time at the same gathering of friends. Um if it wasn't your first time seeing it, it was certainly mine. Um because of the hubbub that had been created around yeah. the movie itself. It was like yeah. We need to get hold of it next time we go around this particular mate's house. We're going to get together and we're going to get some flipping, some snacks in, some treats, yeah. some treats and that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to sit and watch this movie. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think you watch The Rock. I think you experience. Oh yeah, The Rock. Yeah, the the experience was heightened because it was a group yeah. experience. Whoa! Yeah, did you absolutely. see him? Did you see what he just did? Yeah. Um, but I mean, now watching it <laughs> as an individual um, on my own as an adult who's um, become a little bit more mature, shall we say, in his mm. um, Only slightly, in his viewing habits. Yeah. Um, it, it, it hasn't aged well in some ways, um, but in other ways, I look at it now and, and as a someone who is in the media himself, that makes me sound far more grandiose than it actually is. <laughs> someone who, who makes videos for businesses and, and certainly studied it at uni. There are certain parts of it that aren't actually that bad still. And no. we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit um, in a bit. But um, I suppose back then we thought it was great. Now I'm saying it's a little bit um, <laughs> like I say it it's not as good well. as what you 
what you what you experienced as a 14 15 year old now as a 38 year old yeah a 38 you see year old it man. Th- you see it through different eyes yeah very very different eyes yeah so the first thing that struck me about this when i uh, watched it was the 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 sheer volume of wholly implausible events <laughs> <laughs> now i appreciate okay the movie itself was um it was created by the 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 the, the Hollywood superpowers at the time of action film, especially um, Michael Bay, um, still going strong doing you know serious action movies now. Serious, um, mm. doing action movies now. <laughs> um, but and and Jerry Bruckheimer as well, famous for you know big spectacles, visual spectacles. When when that first. You know, like as you get into the film, and and the the tree and the lightning, mm. and then it comes up. Brooke, Brooke that Heimer, for me was the sign of we we are in. This yeah. is going to be brilliant because it he <laughs> locked was and huge. loaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because every time I saw that, so we've got that would have been on. Okay, The Rock, Con Air, Con Air, all the Cage Ar- classics, Armageddon. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. You know, and that. That might be a film that we come to. It might not be, but it, I'm embarrassed to say I thought that was a brilliant film. It's too, on a just, list. It's on just, a list. <laughs> just that, seeing that Bruckheimer Productions or whatever it is, yeah. title card, It was it, that was a sign of quality. Oh, yeah. For a 15-year-old. Again, you knew, what, you knew what you were yeah. buying into. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah. So these, these implausible moments. Now, this, <laughs> the first and, well, first and... Second, shall we say, are two of the most implausible things are Sean Connery's wigs, for starters. <laughs> At this point, right, he's done Untouchables, so we know he's, he's bald as a coot, right? Yes. And I say that sympathetically. I know you're a bald co-host. Yeah, of this be careful show. what you say. But you are dignified enough Thank to you. not flip in cover up your proud no. bald pit. Whereas Hollywood has that kind of sense of restraint on its on its leads, whereby yes. he had to sport not only a long, unkempt federal prisoner, as the description goes, wig, um, and then some kind of closely cropped, kind of swept back number you, that it just cuts what? to all of a sudden after he's had it cut by, <laughs> by somebody. After he's had it cut by a stereotypically camp hairdresser. Oh, yeah. Some serious stereotypes go on. In, yeah. In, in Hollywood in it the 90s. It was the 90s. Hollywood, ni- 90s Hollywood. It's just stereotypes galore in, in both yeah. of the films that we're actually oh, going to yeah. talk yeah. about. Um, so other than the wigs, so the, the terrorists to steal this gas, this VX gas, right? Again, implausible because it looks like bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, they're essentially holding the world to ransom with Radox, yeah. We- <laughs> <laughs> Crystallised Radox. Crystallised Radox that's a bit thick. But if this is supposedly the most horrific substance known mm. to man, mm. why is it being kept in glass balls? <laughs> like I know, The most it's crazy. brittle of substance, like And it, they even but- make notice when, when he's... When he's so spoilers, when he's taking it out to get the the guidance chips, mm. he even talks about how the configuration is the most like 
re- like really dangerous like i can't remember the word he uses like a but spiral it's... helix it's a helix, helix. yeah yeah so they're just like dangling down <laughs> like on this like really like like a piece of string going between every every, every single one of these balls just ha- hanging them together yeah why but are they were they stored like that at the weapons facility? I can't, I can't there must have been, because as the, after they've they've nicked them, they cost they drop a few, don't they? And the, the fella gets trapped oh, in chapped, yeah. and starts and then flipping. His face melts. Yeah, he just melts in in front of their eyes. Um, so they're obviously from the from the get go really dangerous to handle. Um, but yeah, why why they're not in some kind of lead lined, yeah, bulletproof box? But let, but let's let's ignore that because because I liked seeing that guy's face blister and bubble and right off and melt. That's and one the of back, the most yeah. memorable moments for yeah. me because I remember, like you say, as a younger kid who didn't see it, uh, who saw it before the kind of the, the BBFC age limit. I was yeah. like, "Whoa, flipping! He just melted in front of us, <laughs> flipping face." And I think I remember. As well, in that group experience of us first watching it, someone turning to the other and going, whoa, that's some toxic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we, as if we knew, like we're some kind of flipping chemist or something. I'm just like, yeah. come on, mate. That's some toxic stuff. Um, but yeah, so implausibility throughout this mm. movie seems to be the name of the game. And um, yeah. Other than and we both laughed at the description where it said they only have this, they have the skills to penetrate the island fortress. And it's just but that's like, not even true. That makes it sound like they're going on like a, a duo mission on their on their Todd. Exactly, and, it, and that's not true. That's no. not true. It just so happens all their mates get gunned down within seconds. Okay, cue up implausibility number two. Right. Okay. So they go in with. They're taking on essentially the most highly experienced, highly trained US force with this yeah. super general, Evil Ed yeah. Harris at the at the helm. Yeah. And what who else better to send in then than the US Navy SEALs? I mean it, there's nobody else to send in there's nobody the Navy else. SEALs. So yeah. they send them in. They're obviously going in first, vast vastly experienced, uh, in the arts of war and military tactics. And yeah. um so they go in, but yet still find themselves in this situation where they all get flipping blown to bits by these yeah. these um, soldiers who are expecting them. And then we're expected as an audience to believe that Nicolas Cage and a flipping out of shape Sean Connery <laughs> are going to take these fellas on. It, it'll be like taking somebody on with your granddad. And it's like, come on, mate. He's in his, like, his 70s or something. So, yeah. I found that really hard to um, to buy, despite doing my very best to suspend my disbelief. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it is it is problematic because then it is so. Yeah, they they've annihilated all the Navy SEALs, and then it's like you say, it's Nicolas Cage, <clears throat> and this was this was surprising to me. So Nicolas Cage, prior to this. And in fact, just like throughout his entire career, Nicolas Cage has had a bit of a weird career. And he's, he's not like, he doesn't come across, and I know he's not supposed to be like a superhero in this film, but he definitely becomes somewhat of a superhero. Mm, oh yeah. um, and and there's and the shades of superheroism about his character and the kind of things that he actually does. <clears throat> 
but he's not he's not your straight up kind of superhero. So he's not strong. He's not a Vin Diesel. He's not even a Jason Statham that you could believe would mm. be able to handle himself in that kind of situation. He he looks like an accountant. Yeah. So the fact that he's gone in and they 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 make they sort of make you aware that he's he doesn't have any military tactical weapons or anything like that. Yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be just your run of the mill kind of scientist. He's not the field um, the field agent. No, exactly. But yeah, the fact that it's him and and what was so Connery's character was a British spy, right? That mm-hmm. that was that yeah. was his and he was caught because he stole State, um, national secrets. state secrets yeah, yeah. including did you hear what the state secrets state secrets were uh who shot jfk yeah one. that's one um i didn't hear the other one i don't recall the other ones it was the alien landing at roswell of course it was yeah. <laughs> of course i love that they just dropped that in like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh yeah I'm buying, um, I'm buying that yeah roswell yeah. so yeah so he's he's not like again he wouldn't have been like he, he wasn't in the what's the British for the SAS or anything yeah. like that. But anyway, they he's, he's somehow some kind of. But they do it, don't they? Between them, they do they succeed. Did. They have the skills to penetrate the yeah. Iron Fortress. Yeah. So, one of the other uh, moments um, when Sean Connery is fresh out of his maximum security um, confinement as a result of being captured by the US. Um, and incarcerated is when he tries to first make a getaway. I'm not doing what they want me to do. I'm going to do one. Yeah. Um, and then he comes through as the flipping hooker with the heart of gold, you know what I mean? And turns, turns it around and says, I'll, I'll do it for the good of the cause. Um, <laughs> but is when they have the, the car chase. So he, yeah. die, he goes, not only does he, they have a car chase, it's not just a couple of banged up police vehicles. It's nope. he steals a Hummer. And yeah. then, of course, Nicolas Cage, in an effort to keep up, steals a bright yellow Ferrari. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but as implausible as that is, and this is where I think the film is actually half decent, is this was during an age where in any action movie now, they would rely really heavily on CGI to yeah. reproduce um, a sequence like that. Whereas yeah. then... That would have taken one serious planning, two yep. serious budget in terms of location and closing it off, and some serious forethought with regards to um, storyboards and um, the actual sequencing of it. Because it's really well shot in terms mm. of a tight edit and making you as the audience, taking you as the audience on that ride, that chase with them, and you being yeah. able to keep up with them visually. Yeah. Like it totally works. And that was my one thing that I took away from the film. I thought, Do you know what? That's actually not bad. Because I thought if that was a, a a scene today, they would have probably less budget to do it. They'd have mm. stuff done with green screen and they'd yeah. do all this gear. Whereas you know it was legit pyrotechnics, legit stuntmen doing this and that yeah. um, and driving hither and thither to create this really quite impressive scene. And I think, and I think it's obviously you've got like, brilliant chase scenes in in other films contemporary films to it and obviously like films like bullet and mm. and i i i've never seen bullet but i i think that that was based in san francisco so i think that they probably took some of the oh a little homage kind of yeah so like um 
But but it was it. I I genuinely felt that that car chase scene was really really kind of adrenaline fueled and and it was really. And they they even chuck in a couple of jokes like the <laughs> the the guy whose car is He's nicked, stolen, yeah, yeah. R- ringing him up um, on the on the car phone and. Um, one thing I noticed. So my, can I talk about my favorite? Because it I, actually no, I'll come back to that. Within that car chase scene, there are still a couple of kind of nods and winks to kind of a bit of stereotypical kind of car chase scene. So he smashes through a uh, <clears throat> a fruit and veg stall. Right. So you get you get the food flying everywhere, mm-hmm. and then for no reason whatsoever. There is a truck carrying water bottles that just tends to stop in the middle of the road in which Sean Connery plows through like the the back end of it and the water goes everywhere. Nice. Now, I was watching this with with uh, with my wife uh, as we were rewatching it. She'd never seen it before. And I did say to her at the time, all we need now is two guys walking a huge uh, plate glass (laughs) window. Yeah, <laughs> across the street, and then that didn't happen. But Nicolas Cage drives through a, a like a some kind of storefront or something, and straight through, straight the, window. through the window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. It had everything, it so did. I was just like, "This is brilliant." I'm yeah. in. It ticked all the car chase. Absolutely fantastic. Chase boxes. So I think if you are looking for a a real rip roaring nineties action uh, movie. Um, that sometimes gets a little bit too much as far as implausibility is concerned. I think The Rock yeah. is definitely one for people to go out and. Uh, can and I watch. can I talk can I talk about my favorite character? Favorite character, yes. Okay, so my favorite character in the whole film is the dude that uh, I'm going to use the word pilots. Uh, the trolley, the streetcar. The street. Do you remember? I don't remember. You know, him. so in that car chase scene, there's, you know, there's like it's like a tram. We might call it a tram. Yes, yes. And they give him. He's almost got like a little bit part, and they yeah. just destroy his tram, and then he kicks yes. off at the end. And he he goes mental. So, <laughs> I've got a couple of quotes from this guy because he is my favourite character in the entire film. Yeah. So, that's good. First... We'll do. We'll do. We'll do favourite lines. Um, Favourite lines and then we can, yeah, we can move on. So he says, the first thing he says is, in the, in his Southern American accent, he says, welcome aboard, y'all. How you doing today? <laughs> Fantastic. And he's really cheering. Oh, he's all yeah. like, oh, the sun's shining. I love my job. Yeah. I love that you're on my tram. This is fantastic. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, and then, of course, the car chase happens. Yeah. And... He somehow get they they bump into it the 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 tram it comes off the rails oh yeah and the guy's like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he goes from this jolly guy straight to kind of like we're gonna crash save yourselves and he does it in his really <laughs> over the top way <laughs> as people are falling off and then the thing blows up and then. Do you he, uh, clo- did he have a closing line? He did, didn't he? He did. He does have a closing line, and he just goes full. He's just full pissed now, and he he says something like, 
I'm going to I'm going to find that I'm going to say mofo but he doesn't say mofo. <laughs> Um, but he, he says he's going to hunt down and, and basically get the guy who's destroyed. And he calls his tram his baby. Oh. He's like, oh, my baby. <laughs> of course he did. Oh, man. So he's my favourite character. That's great. Yeah, it's those little bit parts that make yeah. make those... A little bit of comic relief at the end of yeah. the, the tense cartoons. Yeah. Well, my my favourite lines. I've got um, I've got three favourite lines from three different characters. Um, I'm not even going to give you any context. I'm just going to just okay. throw them out there. No context. Yeah. Favourite lines. The first one is, "The world's being FedEx to hell on a handcart." <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first. That comes within like the first few minutes of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So is that Ed Harris who says that? No, that's that's Nicholas Cage. He's just oh. had a bad day at work. Um, oh, is that when he talks about bringing a child into the world being a like a an awful thing to do? Yes, yes, yes. Right. So he's talking to his his his, uh, his girlfriend, girlfriend, fiance. Yeah. Uh, the next one is from Ed Harris's character, the general um, general. There, his was he's talking. Actually, no, I'm not giving context. His was on your <laughs> on your ninth birthday. I was running black ops into China. <laughs> So the context of that one is um, he's talking to some of the U.S. defense uh, ministers, I guess, if they if they called that, um, and he asks, "How old are you, son?" <laughs> and so Eddie responds, and that's when he gives him the line. And then the last one is, of course, from Connery himself. Um, we know he's a federal prisoner at this stage, and he says he's talking to a, a federal agent. Um, who's trying to win him over to get him to do this, to save save the world, of course. And he says, I've been in prison longer than Nelson Mandela. Are you going to make me the president? <laughs> <laughs> so, they're my three Classic. throwaway great lines from the movie. There are many more. Um, yeah, others loads. But you would you would have to go ahead and, uh, and watch it. So, moving on now yes. to... Um, to our next movie, which is of course Congo. Now, this I think this one came quite easily to us, didn't it? This mm. one, mm-hmm. in terms of when you, when you when you mentioned it, I was like, this is a perfect film which epitomizes this whole idea of myconic <laughs> films. Yes. So, um, to begin with, we'll give you your um, your blurb. Um, again, you can watch this in various places. Um, but this is YouTube where you can rent uh, and or buy to stream online. So YouTube says they've eluded heat seeking missiles. <laughs> you see immediately. <laughs> How's that for an opening line? Goodness Fantastic. Me. They've eluded heat seeking missiles gone eyeball to eyeball with enraged 5,000 pound hippos <laughs> hacked through a jungle curtain. And still, the expedition continues. That's just your opening gambit to get you involved. Yeah. It carries on. Amy, a gorilla who was part of a university learning experiment, is at last returning home. A professor, played by Dylan Walsh, electronic expert Laura Linney, and guide Ernie Hudson, explorer Tim Curry, and others follow the scampering ape. <laughs> <laughs> They know she will lead them to the place that's more than her home. 
It's the site of the fabled lost city of Zinj and its diamond <laughs> mines. Just when you think that they couldn't possibly tell us any more about the movie, it goes on. But what they don't know can be fatal. <laughs> once, once they enter Zinj, they'll be the... Zinj! <laughs> Zinj! <laughs> once they enter Zinj, they'll be the endangered species. <laughs> oh, how do you get a job as a blurb writer? It's not over. That got... It's not over. Oh, we're line. still going. This is the last line. So this is kind of a little bit of an anticlimax, I suppose. From the bestseller by Michael Crichton of Jurassic Park fame comes an action-packed adventure filled with state-of-the-art tech and primal fear. Whoa. That is incredible. So, I mean, where do we even begin after that? Well, I think we need to begin with the end, and that is the fact that this is Michael Michael Crichton, who, you know, Jurassic Park, I think Congo came out in 95, Mm -hmm. and I think Jurassic Park was 93, 94. Uh, So this is is on the heels of one of the biggest films ever made, Mm. just like loved by all, by critics and audiences alike. Jurassic you've, Park. You've got to remember as well, Michael Crichton also wrote ER. So massive he did. TV series yeah. as well. So he was already accomplished. At that oh, point. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the, on the back of Jurassic Park, the fact that he's got, you know, a, a similar kind of action-adventure kind of story, um, but instead of dinosaurs, it's apes. Right. Some, and in fact, in the book... Um, in my research, they were kind of like, they're, they're some kind of like, uh, not not a, an experiment got wrong gone wrong, but they've kind of been bred by people right. to to be super aggressive. Um, the people who who of uh, this this tribe or whoever who wanted to protect the mine, yeah, they yeah. bred these these apes to protect the diamonds. The ultimate badass of gorillas. And then, of course, the apes turned on their masters. And and that's how how they were were annihilated. The the people were (laughs) annihilated. So they're supposed to be kind of almost like mutated kind of super... Deformed, yeah. Because when you actually see them, they're not like your typical kind of... In fact, how, how does Amy describe them? Flipping. Ugly gorilla. Ugly gorilla. Ugly gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> she signs it, don't she? Yeah. Sorry, you need to uh, obviously let Sorry. understand get, that detail as to why. Getting she's... ahead of ourselves. So, they, I think this is sort of based on there was a real gorilla. I think it was a gorilla that was. I'm not sure what the gorilla is. Coke? I've, I've got the word named Coco, but I don't know if that's right. <laughs> so there was like a... such, a, such a generic <laughs> monkey name, doesn't it? Coco the gorilla. <laughs> But they they were teaching this gorilla to, it wasn't sign, but it was to communicate through flashcards and pointing at a flashcard and, and stuff Throwing like Throwing dump and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy gets extrapolated in the film to being that they've actually taught it to not only do and understand sign language, but they've given it some kind of like um, motion sensor arm device that, Will then verbalize yeah, yeah. Um, the the signs that she's making, so that she you almost hear her voice, 
as she's signing it and um and people can then interact with Amy the the gorilla. Lovely. <clears throat> so so we that's and that from what I remember, Amy was everything about this film. Mm. And rewatching it, she's her 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 actual like role in it is really limited. It's a she's, bit part. It is a bit part. I, I think it was a bit part. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> <laughs> the thing with the gorillas, right? So Amy, the ugly gorillas. The the funny thing about this movie, and again going back to like nineties nineties movies, now you'd I mean, if you look at um Planet of the Apes, um, King Kong, all the subsequent animal and or monster movies that have been made, again all really heavily relied on CG to yeah. do it. So I was you would have thought, and I, I couldn't remember until I rewatched it, surely there will at least be like one or two real gorillas in this whole movie. Like they'll put a few real ones in, highly trained gorillas. No, no, <laughs> just a, <laughs> nope. every single one, just a dude in a gorilla yeah. suit. Yeah. Um, uh, interestingly enough, though, that Amy, um, the woman, or the two women that played Amy actually, trained for six months. Um, to imitate and act like a gorilla whilst in the suit, and to okay. to to fulfil that role, some serious do, method acting. Going do on you, do you feel gorilla. that that six months was enough from <laughs> from the end result? Because I'm not certain they had long enough to prepare. In fairness to them, they had a hard flipping thing to live up to. Not only did they have to act like a gorilla, they had to act like a gorilla that can do sign language. As well. <laughs> well, the thing is, because you think about like Andy Circus. Who is in? Who he is? King Kong, right? Right. Yeah. But he wouldn't have had a huge flipping gorilla suit on. No. He'd have just had the balls attached to like a skin suit. Yeah. Whereas these two ac- actors are inside They're this in flipping role. huge gorilla suit. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been difficult. So yeah, I suppose there are physical constraints to working within within the suit. Um, but yeah, that that was. A little bit disappointing, but again, indicative of the time, like just flipping dudes running around in gorilla suits does make yeah. it kind of funny. Um, but also indicative of the time, as is perhaps embodied in the PG Tips adverts, which did use real chimpanzees, by yeah. the tea ads. Um, there were things that they would make animals do back then that they do not do now. Like even for good though, reason. For good reason, yeah, absolutely. Humane reason would be considered wholly inappropriate to make an animal do these things. Do you um, know how they used to get the chimpanzees to talk in those PG tips ads? <laughs> no. They used to put um, peanut butter on the roof <laughs> of their mouths. <laughs> Didn't they do that with Mister Ed the horse as well to make I him talk? I think they did. Yeah, they had a peanut yeah. butter on the top lip and they tried yeah. it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the things that they made, even this prosthetic. Uh, human gorilla do that made me chuckle that I deep down as a child of the 90s really kind of enjoyed as well in a, a guilty pleasure was watching the gorilla smoke a cigar <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits of the whole film that she, that she steals from Monroe the the, the um the safari the guide, guide. Um, watching a drink, uh, a martini, a shake. That was that was mental. That I have no idea why. <laughs> why on earth did they put that in? That bit is crazy. Because it relaxes her. Obviously, <laughs> they're on the flight. She's nervous, and the martini was what she needed. Just to <gasps> but he even serves it in a martini glass <laughs> with an olive. 
<laughs> and not only does he give it like give her that, she like holds the glass properly and everything. Like she's properly well, civilized. Well, that that's the thing. And the way she takes, not only the way she takes the cigar, the way she smokes it, it is properly like. Like pro- like oh, she's yeah. smoked twenty a day for like thirty years. She's, she's it's really relaxed. Like she's not she's not just smoking it. She's enjoying it, isn't she? Yeah. That's what she's doing. She's like I'm I'm loving flicking this. off the ash like yeah. it's nothing. Just tapping it, and she she rolls her head back, <laughs> doesn't she? She probably oh this is lovely. This yeah. So that that, oh, that those are a couple of moments that really I like I say I can't yeah. enjoy. I know I shouldn't have enjoyed. No, but because I knew it wasn't a real gorilla anyway, yeah. it was like this is great, great stuff. Um, but anyway, moments for you. What were the stand? Any standout moments? Oh, for you? okay. Hang on. There's obviously let, a lot. Cause... Let me. There, there, there is. There's way too much. But my, my properly. Hang on. Let, let's, let's go back because. We've got to talk about where... Do you remember where... You, because this film is not... I thought it was really niche. Like, nobody's heard of it in terms of, like... Because it's not... You don't see it anywhere. You don't... It's not, like, on any list of, like, classic mm. films. It, and it's not kind of one of those really crap films that people love because it's really, really crap. So, like, everybody yeah. knows it for being terrible. It just seems to be kind of in this... I thought it was in this kind of no man's land of of just forgotten mm. forgotten films really but i've seen a lot of love for it do you think it was maybe overshadowed a bit by jurassic park oh it must have been and it it was definitely like the poor cousin yeah. to jurassic park like no no nobody's going to seek this out unless it's you and i for <laughs> for reassessing it <laughs> 20 years, 30 years after it came out. Yeah, um, like we, I had to rent it. It wasn't available yeah. free just to stream because it's right. popular enough for somebody to buy the rights to just out and out stream. Exactly, it. exactly. But the first, so I went to see this. It must have been on a rainy half term. I had a mate over. Was it you? Did I go with you to the cinema to watch this? Because if it wasn't you, I know, I, I know who who it was. Okay. So it I was, don't it, remember again seeing this at the cinema. Okay. So it was it was our mutual friend. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, one of our mutual friends. That I he was over at my house during half term, mm-hmm. and my mom clearly wanted she red. wanted us out of the house. That's <laughs> right. <clears throat> and so we went we went to the the local cinema the plaza in Rugeley which is now a Weatherspoons yeah. <laughs> and it had it was on screen 2 which was the smaller of the three screens oh god um and there was four people in there <laughs> there was me my mate that I went to see it with yeah. and two of my schoolmates that I didn't know were going to be there. Oh, and that's brilliant. always really awkward, though, when you're with a, a mate that they don't know. And you didn't invite. And Right. So yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, no. So I, I ignored their presence being in the cinema because that's what you do. You just ignore them. But so saw it at the cinema. I loved it. The mm. first time I saw it because I thought it was, for all the reasons I still love it, I loved it then. I didn't think it was amazing, but it did something to me. Oh, so that was that was my first uh, first watching of that was at, at the cinema. Um, what think, were we saying? Some some of the things I love standout, about it. Yeah, standout moments that 
after all this time rewatching it, you go, that's brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I tell you, this is really niche. So that bit where Amy's handler goes off to make her the martini, and they're on like a private jet or something. It's like a very small jet. Yeah, a tiny plane, yeah. Did you see what was separating the seating area from the kitchen area? No, I didn't. You know, (laughs) this is really niche. Back in the day, we used to we used to go to Quick Save on on occasion, <laughs> and the chiller okay. section was separated by those plastic sheets that come down in strips. That is like a like a oh, I yes. don't know like a yeah, curtain. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what was separating the kitchen area on this private plane to the seat <laughs> to the seating area. These clear plastic strips hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Anyway. That was really neat. Going from the stock room to the shop floor. Yeah, (laughs) but it really caught my attention. Or like, yeah, like at McDonald's when you go into the freezer. Oh, yeah. And you'd open the door and then. through. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So I I really liked that detail. That was, was I felt that was just for me. The (laughs) the attention to detail to involve vivid memories in my past. Quick save in McDonald's. Okay, brilliant. The pilot on the plane when they when they when they get shot down, his moustache. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, that's all I needed to say. He has a brilliant moustache. That was the that was a note. Also, in that moment, one of the things that caught my attention of how he was piloting the plane, it was kind of the same school as BA Baracus driving the A team van. He comes through and asks, "What's going on? Have we been hit?" And he's like, "We're going down." And as he's doing it, he's basically like going left to right with the steering. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, of course we've got a problem on the plane if you're flying it like that, mate. So yeah, that was that was a, a quality moment, wasn't it? Fantastic. My one of my favourite bits, and it's only brief. You've really got to catch it. Is again in that moment. So they're all bailing out of the out of the plane because it's it's going down. For some reason, the pilot and the co-pilot are some of the first people to bail out of the plane for some <laughs> unknown <off>. reason. <laughs> it's, it's not you don't even see them. It's just yeah. Monroe goes well, unless you know how to fly a plane because the pilot's already jumped yeah, out. We're off. Yeah, I'm out. Of here. Monroe takes the the job of. Jumping out of the plane with Amy. <laughs> this this is one of my moments. Key moments oh, it's incredible that she's not even strapped to Monroe's body. She she's she's been tranquilized. They've given her a, a, a banana yeah. with a flipping pill in it, so she's out mm. for the count. That they've not strapped her onto Monroe, but he's just kind of like clinging onto her, and she's somehow in her stupor clinging onto him. Yeah. And it is the maddest thing, like <laughs> just to see he, this guy drifting down with his parachute with this gorilla just yeah. strapped to him. And he's front. he's not even like holding her, is he? No. He's he's, like, he's, he's piloting free, the. <laughs> he's doing free fall, like first yeah. of all, and then eventually, yeah, he's he's piloting the actual parachute left to right. But yeah, yeah, that was that's an incredible moment in the film, which really caught caught. Fantastic! Eye. And then he, when he says, "When they touch down, she woke up halfway down." That young <laughs> lady has an incredible set of teeth. It's like, yeah, nice Monroe. Not only did he have to handle taking her down, he had to handle her kicking off at him. 
Because she woke oh. up, she woke up mid skydive. Well, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna set anyone on edge, let alone a gorilla, isn't it? <laughs> oh, goodness so me! Good. But one of the other things, actually, about this this an animal related moment as well, is the irony of um, this is a film all about killer gorillas. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're being led to believe that these gorillas uh, gorillas have been bred for violent and aggressive purposes um whereas there's the kind of irony of the one scene where they're on the river and they get attacked by the hippo is the hippo in the movie is probably the one animal that is the most deadly <laughs> that's been yeah. portrayed and it's yeah. like i looked it up i'm like how many i wonder how many people get killed every year by um hippos and it's 500 people a year get killed by hippo attacks flipping eh um, how many did you do a cross reference for how did, many are killed by a, gorillas? None. None on record that they're aware uh, of. Really? None. Wow. So, like, there's been attacks, people have been injured, people have been hurt. Um, Had their faces ripped off. Faces ripped off. But they've survived. Off. But they've been all right. Yes, that's it. True. Yeah. <laughs> they came, they've come out uh, with a few well, bumps. Well, not unscathed. And, uh, not unscathed. But... A few bumps and scrapes. Um, so yeah, the irony of the hippo scene for me. This is quite a deep movie. It was it was ironic in parts, yeah. But it also explored the idea of it was a bit of an oxymoron because they totally exploited mm. the African stereotype for starters. Like with we're going into oh, it, it's, the Congo. It's really racist. It's like the entire yeah. African continent is just laden with military clad despots <laughs> dictatorships yeah. and yeah and it's like within minutes within minutes of them arriving in africa the, the president's bomb. comms been bombed <laughs> and and there's an uprising there's a coup going on a military coup yeah. is yeah. in process yeah so there you go and then you've just got like you say angry men in military fatigue shouting at them all the time yeah um but then it also addresses the idea of preconception a bit because you've got those moments where you know where the the guy from the uni who's bringing Amy over to put her back in the Congo yeah. is left Which, out. That that's that's a big plot hole. That would never happen. They, uh, the scientists would never go. I'm willing to give up my 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 this research. My animal. life's work. Yeah, <laughs> and just to release it back into the wild. <laughs> Well, the cat. Yeah, they said the the uni says that at the start, doesn't it? We're not going to let you take it back. Yeah. Um, and then somebody goes, "I'll pay loads of money." Yeah. And they go, "All right then." Her- Herkimer <laughs> Hamalka again. Tim oh, Curry yeah. playing Tim Curry. a Romanian. If you want to talk about flipping stereotypes, just yes, Tim Curry yeah. throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, the idea of when he's left on point when they go into the city of Zinge when they first get there um, to kind of scope it out, get the lay of the land. He's left outside with one of the other members of the the Sherpa crew, if you like, um, called Claude. And he gives it the whole, oh, what's your name, Claude? Oh, that's a strange name for somebody from, whereabouts are you from? He's like, Mombasa. And then he says, oh, it's a strange name for somebody from Mombasa. And he's like, have you ever been to Mombasa? (laughs) No. He's like, well, what do you know about it then? Yeah. I thought that was great. So that's, this is it. So not only does... Very forward thinking. Yeah. Hollywood... Plays up to the, the stereotype, but then hopefully dispels it a little bit yeah. with those kind yeah. of moments. And there's also the line of Monroe when he gives it the whole, um, supposedly, I'm your great white hunter, but I just happen to be black. 
And it's like, all oh, right, yep, fair enough. We all kind of, yep, okay, I can see what you what you did there. Um, so yeah, that I like the fact that it tries at least on one hand to address in a very minimal, uh, twee yeah. twee Hollywood like way those kinds of stereotypes. I could one thing I couldn't work out is whether it was taking itself seriously or not. Because it has some very sincere kind of moments in terms of like the filmmaking and the storytelling. Mm. And then it has these, yeah, just outlandish moments. <laughs> which, yeah, which you just go, this can't be. He, he, is, is everybody aware and has everybody firmly got their tongue in their cheeks? Mm. Or is this they're being totally sincere in their filmmaking and they're trying to make a genuinely straight up action adventure. You see, this is where this is where it gets deep for me, David. <laughs> gets Congo got deep. In a, way, <laughs> in a way that I wasn't expecting. And this is where um what I took from the film ultimately was a sense of uh, a sense of pathos in relation mm. in relation to <laughs> The Grey Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> so the Grey Gorillas, right? Like you, you explained, they're these killer gorillas, but yeah. they're, they're just they've vi- been bred for that purpose. Victims, so. man. Yeah, they're, they're victims. Yeah. So it's like, first of all, they're bred to be that way, and mm-hmm. it's like the old adage: the old, oh, there's no such thing as a bad dog, just a bad owner. Right. And it's the same for these poor gorillas, man. So they were victims mm. of circumstance, bred to violence. Mm. Yeah. Ended up. In this place where everybody wanted to come and nick the diamonds, so he's got all yeah. the, the grey gorillas just want to live in peace. People coming into their gaff, nicking the diamonds all the time. Oh, I've got to go. So they'll rip, so they'll rip their eyes out. But maybe this is it. Maybe the gorillas have grown weary of the violence, but it's so ingrained in them that they just can't mm. help themselves. And yeah. then so it goes from that to to having to feel obliged to guard the diamonds to mm. being <laughs> cut to pieces by some kind of piece of state-of-the-art comms tech that's blasting out lasers and cutting them to... Like, cutting them that in bit, two. That bit is... the ho- In fact, so they put that bit in right at the beginning, don't they? So yeah, dudes yeah. On, on the satellite, which for the 1990s, that satellite feed was amazing. <clears throat> and, he, and, he sh- and he demonstrates this laser... Which is, and then it's mm. never really mentioned ever again. It's not even really explained what the laser's for oh, or anything, yeah. but it is very much Chekhov's gun. That laser is yeah. just, it's, <laughs> it's, that's all it's there for, is so we can see some gorillas get sliced in half get later on yeah, in the film. Get brock up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this is it. So they get, they get flipping blasted to pieces yeah. in an effort for the people who are ultimately trespassing to escape. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Virunga region of the Congo just goes to flip in Shabizzle, and it just goes. Well, they get Zinj. vaporized by the volcano. <laughs> so Zinj has been there for millennia, right? Mm. The white man turns up to steal, and and eventually gets in, and Homolka starts picking up the diamonds. Oh yeah, the volcano, which has been there from from forever, millennia, erupts. The landmass just starts churning up and like the whole thing is just destroyed in an instant well not in an instant but like in five ten minutes the whole thing is <laughs> is gone and you know what i really loved about that bit though what? some of those so the gorillas panic obviously 
<laughs> start and they start pushing each other into oh, the lava. Start, this is it. This I, is why I felt so sorry for them, man. Like, oh, do you, oh, go on. Just what, total what's your de- theory? Total desperation. They just mm. turn on each other, and he, there's that one awful shot in slow motion that fella just if the fella in the great gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> the fella oh, in the great gorilla the just runs, yeah. and he just flipping does oh, just dives into the lava, and you're just like, oh, yeah. mate, come on. Well, he, it's, I swear, one of them does like a cannonball, like he's just like, <laughs> I'm going for <laughs> it. He does a tuck. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that's because they're like? Do you think they they've they just they've had it. They've had enough. That's just they've it, had yeah. enough of this life, and so they see the opportunity and they just take it and just jump into the lava. Like this is me, lads. Yeah, that's it. This is all. I've I've lived long enough. I've seen terrible things. I want to end it all. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's that was the thing that I took away was just this real sense of pity for yeah. the grey gorillas. And so you needed that moment afterwards where Amy finds peace. And oh, with with the silver with the, back. with the the silverback and the regular gorillas, she's she's yeah. found a happy place and gone. Home. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a happy. It is a happy ending in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose we, we should probably draw this to a close. Favorite lines from from Congo. Okay. Would you like me to go first? Go for it. So this is without a doubt one of my favorite lines has stuck in my head ever since I saw it as a teenager. Um, it was their like fixer on the ground, um, who is an American uh, expat in Africa, facilitating the expedition with all the kit and comms and flipping weaponry that they could possibly ever want to go into the Virunga region of the Congo. Um, but he's obviously become accustomed to the um, the uh, wheeler dealer type ways of where he is at that point in time, and he hears Amy talking, and he says, because um, she's got a little magic glove on. And he says, oh, a talking gorilla. I hear the money hairs on the back of my neck going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, other line comes from one of Amy's handlers, one of the guys from the university. When she's smoking the cigar, the only thing he can think to say at that point is, Amy, don't inhale. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, yeah. The, the gorilla's smoking a cigar, and that's the one thing you say to her. Um, and then Monroe, Monroe, he comes out with some classic lines throughout the whole movie. Um, but when they think, or when Herkimer Hamalka, Tim Curry's character, thinks that they might not be, you know, onto a winning streak, Singe might just be the myth that everyone thinks it is before they find it. Um, Monroe says, well, Solomon must have gotten his diamonds from Cartier's, just like everybody else. So there you go. That's my three... Three standout lines for me. See, I I didn't really have... The only standout lines, which are the ones that we always used to quote to each other. um, (laughs) And I can't believe we haven't even mentioned this guy. We've we've gone through this whole thing. We've not even mentioned the the militiaman or the the army general, who the corrupt army general played by... What's his name? His name is Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo. Lindell, Lindo, 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 and he is—he's the best character in in the entire film, and he has all <laughs> the best dialogue. The way he delivers all of his lines is iconic. Mm. Like every single line he says, and the way he says it is just quotable. He's—he's he's brilliant. 
So my favourite... In fact, so we used to quote all the time the <laughs> Mr. Hamulka, stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> yeah. That's not That's not even my be- my, my no. favourite line. <laughs> I remember <laughs> favorite... a lot of them when he started saying them. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Them. So it's when they... It's just one word. And it just goes, more. <laughs> What, when the, she's dishing out the money, she puts the money. He puts the money on the thing, and he's just like more. And then he stashes it all in that paper bag, and he staples it up. And he's like, I "Don't want anybody peeking." <laughs> yeah, he was brilliant in it. Our oil Lindo. He had that that role nailed as soon as he as soon as he uh, read that script. I reckon he went, "I've got. I'm going to own that." Oh, it's fantastic. Be. It's fantastic. Okay, brilliant. Well, I think we should probably draw this to a close. Um, and hopefully anyone who has and or will listen will enjoy it and join us for our next episode when we will have two more Myconic films. Yeah. Yeah, look forward to it. Mm-hmm.